Hello, I'm Holly Baker. I'm the podcast producer in the Public History Program at the University of Central Florida, and I will be your host for this podcast series on the Florida Constitutions. In 2018, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the current Florida Constitution. This podcast series will look back at all the constitutions in Florida, starting with the first Florida Constitution, drafted in 1838. These interviews were recorded at the 2018 annual meeting of the Florida Conference of Historians. The day-long sessions examined each of the Florida Constitutions and discussed how they addressed the concerns of their time. The sessions took place at the Old Senate Chamber in the Florida Historic Capitol Museum in Tallahassee. Robert Casanello, an associate professor of history at the University of Central Florida, and Julian Chambliss, a professor of English at Michigan State University, moderated the discussion. During the conference, Boyd Murphy from the University of Florida Libraries talked about the 1861 Secession Ordinances and the 1865 Constitution with Julian Chambliss. Let's listen. Okay, for our second speaker in our early Constitution panel, I have the honor of talking to uh, Dr. Boyd Murphy's from the University of Florida Libraries. He's going to talk about the 1861 Secession Ordinance and the 1865 Constitution. I'm Boyd Murphy. Um, I work for the uh, University of Florida Libraries. My job as project manager uh, for a Florida family and community history project. And uh, I was formerly, just to give you my connection to Tallahassee, uh, worked for the State Archives for about 15 years. My first question for you is, how did the 1861 Secession Ordinance create a legal framework during the Civil War, or did it? And what legal authority did the Constitution of Florida operate under? The 1861 uh, Constitution, the legal framework really goes back to um, the idea that um, under John Calhoun, Senator John Calhoun, that if the federal government passes a law that the state states believe is unconstitutional, then the states have a right to uh, call a convention to redress that uh, federal mandate. And of course, with the election of Abraham Lincoln and the Republicans in 1860, uh, Florida and other seceding states uh, were forming their own um, governments. And in the case of Florida, in the Ordinance of Secession, uh, Florida called itself a, um, an independent nation. It was the only um, seceding state to actually proclaim itself an independent nation, a sovereign and independent nation. So given this uh, status, of course, they felt that they needed to create uh, governing rules, a constitution, and they had the 1838 constitution to go on. So basically what they did was to insert Confederate States of America or Confederate States in the 1838 constitution when it was referring to the United States. So the legal framework would be that philosophical background going back to, to John Calhoun, and also, of course, the Florida Constitution of 1838. Um, why was there a need for this Constitution? Well, uh, again, with Florida leaving uh, the Union uh, on January 10th, 1861, it was the third state to leave the Union behind South Carolina and Mississippi. Um, there was uh, obviously the chance that there would be a conflict between the North and the South given this new status that Florida had declared itself independent and, and the nation, uh, again, it needed a, a governing structure. So adopting the 1838 Constitution, but also 
looking towards the fact that in February of 1861, the seven states that were seceding at the time uh, were forming the Confederate government in Montgomery, Alabama. So Florida was looking as the foundation of its new government, the 1838 Constitution, but also the Constitution of the Confederate States. And in April of 1861, Florida ratified its new 1861 Constitution. Well, in that case, how did that Constitution reflect the ideas of that time? Well, um, as uh, Mike was referring to earlier, um, the basis of Florida secession, indeed the basis of the secession of, of all the Confederate states was to, uh, overall, was to protect the institution of slavery. So reflecting the ideas of the time, uh, the, Flor the 1861 Constitution does, obviously doesn't give any rights to uh, enslaved people or really to any free blacks in Florida. Uh, in fact, one of the, um, most of the 1861 Constitution, 95 plus percent, is really just the 1838 Constitution, again, with the Confederacy inserted. However, one new clause that the 1861 Constitution created was to set up local tribunals because they were looking towards the fact that uh, even though the war didn't begin until April of 1861 and they couldn't really foresee that, there was obviously a good possibility that there would be war. They were worried about slave rebellions or slave uprisings, so they wanted to give more immediate power to local areas. So one of the clauses in the 1861 Constitution uh, under Article 2, I believe, creates these local tribunals. What are the ideological concerns you see embodied in this Constitution? Well, uh, the men who created the Florida's 1861 Constitution, and indeed the men that created the other uh, Confederate States constitutions, saw themselves as the actual defenders of the U.S. Constitution. They believed that the federal government uh, was uh, imposing on the rights of the southern states, particularly with slavery. They felt indeed that they were conservative in many ways, that they were really the inheritors of what the founding fathers had created, uh, which, and those rights, namely slavery, being violated by the federal government. So that was one of their principal ideological concerns, was to defend what they saw as um, the rights of the states versus the federal government. Also, um, the idea that um, the states could be independent unities. Again, going back to what Florida said as an independent nation, really saw the Confederacy as a compact of states, independent nations, if you will, and those ideas are embodied in the 1861 Constitution. What are the political debates that emerge from this Constitution? The main political debate uh, did not emerge until the end of 1861. The Constitution is finalized in April of 1861, but the secession convention continued to be in session, and it was in session until April of 1862. Now, Florida's first governor under secession um, was Madison Stark Perry, and he was in office until October of 1861. His successor was Governor John Milton. He comes in uh, on October 7, 1861, Milton was a very energetic man. He was very much interested in military policies. He had a lot of ideas that he wanted to undertake as governor. Uh, in fact, he was 
he was probably too active for the taste of the of many members of the secession convention. They didn't like the way he was spending money in certain areas. They also felt that he was trying to exert too much uh, authority in military affairs. For example, Milton was very strong on maintaining a state militia. Uh, the most of the members of the secession convention said, why should we waste money on the state militia if the Confederate government is going to defend Florida? Why do we need to spend more money on the state militia? Milton argued, well, there are going to be cases where the Confederacy can't defend all of the locales in Florida. And obviously, we are not one of the first priorities of the Confederacy in terms of national defense. So he felt they needed a state militia to maintain that defense. Anyway, as a result of this conflict, um, in 1862, the uh, Secession Convention passed a couple of ordinances, and one of those created an executive council. And this is interesting because South Carolina was the only other Confederate state to institute an executive council. The idea of the executive council would be that it would keep reins on Governor Milton. They appointed three other gentlemen to be on this council. Uh, they were supposed to advise the governor uh, to argue with the governor. Um, in the end, Milton basically ignored uh, their advice and, you know, kind of rammed heads with the secession convention. But that's an uh, interesting innovation. The executive council in South Carolina was much more active and had a lot much, uh, had more power. Um, so that was the principal argument uh, between the political argument uh, coming from the Constitution and the secession convention. We have a one more question for Certainly. you. Um, could you talk a little bit about the comparison between the 1865 Constitution and the previous Constitution and the changes sure. there? Well, uh, as we all know, the Confederacy was defeated. Um, Union troops uh, occupied Tallahassee in uh, May of 1865. Um, after President Lincoln's assassination, President Andrew Johnson was in power. Uh, he basically adopted Lincoln's uh, Reconstruction philosophy, which was very straightforward, uh, calling on the states to, number one, recognize the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery, and to also declare, you know, individual con former Confederates declare their loyalty to the Union to be brought back into the United States. So the, 18, the mission of the 1865 Constitution was to accomplish those two uh, points. The, those, that was the, the major emphasis. In order to do that, uh, President Johnson uh, appointed a provisional governor, William Marvin. He had been a federal judge in Key West. He was a very conservative Democrat. He was not anti-slavery, but he, like a lot of the old, some of the old Democrats and old Whigs, he was loyal to the Union. He was the only federal judge in operation in Confederate territory you know, at the beginning of the war until the Union obviously was moving into the South. So he was appointed provisional governor and given this task of creating a new constitution for Florida to bring Florida back into the Union. Uh, the Constitutional Convention was held here in October of 1865. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, those deliberations, in a very close vote, I might say, they abolished slavery, they adopted the 13th Amendment, and they also declared their loyalty to the Union. However, the uh, Republican uh, Congress, uh, what 
used to be called Radical Republicans, uh, disagreed with this Constitution and most of the other former Confederate Constitutions, saying, yes, you've abolished slavery, but you haven't given uh, former slaves, former enslaved persons, the right to vote, uh, to hold public office. This is really just a charade. Uh, and in 18, uh, after 1865, in 1866, uh, the federal government reinstituted martial law in Florida, and obviously that led to the creation of the 1868 Constitution. Thank you very much. That was Boyd Murphy from the University of Florida Libraries talking about the 1861 secession ordinances and the 1865 Constitution. Thanks for listening. In the next episode of this podcast series on Florida constitutions, Robert Casanello from the University of Central Florida discusses the 1868 Constitution. Please join us for that episode. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation. And if you did enjoy it, please recommend it to others. Post it on your Facebook or Twitter page for others to find. This series was produced by Robert Casanello and Julian Chambliss. We'd like to thank David Proctor and Jesse Hingson with the Florida Conference of Historians for assisting in the recording of this series. You can find out more about the Florida Conference of Historians at www.floridaconferenceofhistorians.org.